The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message. Giving people permission to quit some things. Now, admittedly, this is not going to be a typical Palm Sunday message. You know, next week you're going to hear a ton about the Easter story. But today I want to talk about something a little bit different. And um, the title of today, if you're taking notes, is Quit Being Negative. So John Acuff writes this book, and he talks about quitting, and he talks about quitting in a positive sense, saying, hey, I want to give you permission to quit some things um, in your life. Now, I have lots of regrets. How many of you have regrets in your life? Anybody? Yeah. Nobody, nobody in this room has regrets. This is like the first time I've ever spoken in my whole life that everybody's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I've done everything I've ever wanted to do in my life. So one of the big regrets, it's not really a, a huge thing, but uh, when I was in school, uh, in high school, uh, we got elective classes. Like there were some things you had to take and then some things that you could choose to take, and you got to pick which foreign language you wanted to study. And in our school, you got to pick between taking French class and taking Spanish class. And I wish I would have taken Spanish because I feel like it would have come in a lot more handy than French did. But I took French class because there was a girl that I liked that also took French class, and I wanted to be in the same class as her. Shallow, I know, but I was 15 years old. So when I went to French class, my teacher, his name's Mr. Weber, and he came into our French class, and never in the entirety of the time that I was in that class did he speak one word of English. The whole time when we walked in, he just started speaking in French. He started pointing at things and speaking in French, and I remember just having no idea what in the world um, he was talking about. Um, when we were there, one of the first things we got to do in French class is we got to pick a French name. And I was trying to impress this girl, so I was like, what can I pick as a French name that she's really going to be like, I definitely want to date that dude because of that name, and I picked the name Jean-Claude. <laughs> I was Jean-Claude, and so I figured out, I learned how to say my name is Jean-Claude in French, which is Je m'appelle Jean-Claude, and that's all I would know that over and over again. And so he would just continue to do this. He would speak to us in French, point to things. And over time, the the more I heard French, uh, the more I understood what he was um, trying to say. And I think there was this weird time when I knew that I was really starting to learn the language. Now, this was like 20 years ago, so I don't know anything. Again, I could say, you know, je m'appelle Jean, uh, Corey et toi, which means my name is Corey, what's yours? I can't say much more than that. But I remember when I started to, like, think in French. Have you ever started to, uh, tried to learn a foreign language and, and you start thinking in the language that you're trying to communicate, you know that you're, like, making progress, right? So I knew that I was um, I knew that I was making progress, but the thing that I was learning is that to try to, you know, comprehend and learn a brand new language really took place all up here. And uh, when I started to change the way that I thought about the language, it became a whole lot easier to communicate. And so I had to make this shift up here before it translated externally. So as a Christ follower, this is what I think. I think that one of the greatest stumbling blocks to any of us growing in our walk with Christ, becoming more like him, being the person that we want to be. One of the greatest stumbling blocks that we have is when we get stuck in negative thinking. When we get stuck thinking and and, and allowing our minds to wander about things that are not true, and instead of making the translation filter through God's word, which takes place right here. And just like I sometimes lost momentum when I was in French class by trying harder and harder. And you ever 
been through something in your life where it's like the harder you try, the, the more you fail at it? You know, that can happen sometimes in our relationship with God. It's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying, and it's like the harder I try, the worse off I get. And I'll say this, if there's ever been a time, and you're like, man, why is he talking about this on Palm Sunday? Why isn't he talking about palm branches and all those things? I feel like if there's ever been a time in the history of civilization, in our country and in our churches, that need to hear a message like this, it's now. We just went through probably the most polarizing election that our country's ever seen in over two years. And our country's always been divided by politics. It's just a lot more open now because of social media. Our economy that's essentially a house of cards, that one thing could pull and just send everything up in smoke. We just, we, we live in a world that's incredibly polarizing, and it's very easy for us to allow our thoughts to focus on things that are negative all the time. And at, in high school, in French class, it would have been easy for me to sit there and think, I'm never going to be able to communicate with this dude. He speaks a language that I don't speak. I'm not going to learn this. And, you know, if you ever tried to learn a foreign language, I mean, the older you get, the harder it is to learn it. Because, there's, you know, before you learn a new language, there's things you have to unlearn before you learn something new. That's why it's so easy to teach a kid that doesn't know how to talk yet two languages because they're just in a learning phase. They don't have to unlearn anything. They're just learning a whole bunch of new stuff. And for those of us, the older we get, it's pretty tough to unlearn things. I think it's harder to unlearn things than it is to learn new things. But I didn't quit, and I kept trying, and as I kept trying, I grew in my ability to speak French, at least temporarily. And I think I learned something about myself during that uh, two-year stint of French in high school in northern Illinois. And that is that if we as people are left to our own natural thinking of negativity, we will lose sight of the spiritual growth that can set us free. You know, our life is kind of like, you ever been to, uh, you ever, if you have little boys, I guarantee they've done this. You ever go to a mall that has an escalator that goes up and down and you try to go the opposite direction? You ever been to a mall that has an escalator that goes like it's, it's going down and you try to walk up on the down escalator? You know, it's pretty challenging. And if you stop taking steps up, it's going to drag you back down. You know, life's like that. If you don't intentionally try to think positive, if you don't intentionally try to see the good in things, life will bring you back down so fast and you don't even have to try. Life is a climb. It just is. Following Christ, it's a, it's a climb. It just is what it is. And if you're not intentionally moving forward, the negativity and pull of life will just drag you back down. Now, the sad part is there's so many people, especially in Christ, uh, in, in our fellowship. And listen, if there's anyone on planet Earth that should be filled with optimism, it should be the body of Christ. If there's anybody on planet Earth should, that should be filled with faith, it should be the people that have read the entire book and know what it says. But so many people refuse to push through the clutter that takes place in our head, the, the negative thinking and false belief that have a tendency to bombard our brains every single day. And all of us, all of us have things. Now, we all battle with negative thoughts in a different way. But we all have negative thoughts that we battle with at some point in our life. Um, and again, some of us battle with this more than others. But today, just some examples of some things that we may deal with. You know, you tell yourself this a lot. Maybe you're someone that's very 
confident on the outside, but then when you're alone and thinking the thoughts that you think to yourself, they're very negative. And you think thoughts like, I'm not good, I'll always fail, I'll never amount to anything. Thoughts like, my life doesn't really matter a whole lot, no one really cares about me, and if I just disappeared, no one would ever know. That no matter how hard I try, I just can't seem to get ahead. I just can't seem to make a difference. And it seems like every single thing that I do, I mess up. Or how in the world, we talk about love and God, and how in the world could God love me after all that I've done? Somebody as worthless, someone that's made as many mistakes, how in the world could someone ever love me? Or man, just look around, my life stinks right now, and it's only going to get worse, and I'll never catch a break, and there's no way to change who I am. Maybe it's kind of started to make you a little cynical when you say, hey, you know what? I have to think about me, because nobody else is going to think about me. And nobody, especially God, comes through for me anymore. It might might as well be time I'm just going to start putting things forward myself. Now, you may not want to admit it, but does any of those thoughts sound familiar at all? Things that you've said and thought to yourself when no one else is around? It's challenging. And those things that we continuously think about can be deadly if you add them all together. And when we do, those things can truly enslave us. Now, the bottom line, and this is what I've just learned about life in general, that when it comes to changing your thought patterns or getting rid of any sin issue in your whole life. Remember this. You will never in your life overcome a sin that you cannot identify. What that means is, if you don't think it's a big deal, it's never going to change. If you don't think it's a problem, it's always going to be an issue. If you're like, yeah, so what? I have bad thoughts about myself. Who does? Everybody else does too. So what if I think a little negatively here and there? So does everybody else. You will never in your life overcome an issue that you cannot identify. So if you don't think your bad thoughts are a problem, you're going to keep having bad thoughts, which in general will lead to bad actions. Because the truth is, for all of us, the root of most sins that we commit outwardly start with false beliefs that we embrace inwardly about ourselves. So what that means is that if you truly want to, in your life, experience a life of purity with a clean heart, then the first thing we got to learn is we have to learn how to identify and reject the negative thoughts that bombard our heads on a daily, consistent basis that keep us from experiencing God's best. So the bottom line is this. Your thoughts that you have will determine who you will become. And if you are someone that consistently thinks negative and toxic thoughts, then you will eventually become a negative and toxic person. That just is the way that it goes. But if you think God's truth in your thoughts, then guess what starts to happen? You become more like Christ, which is the goal of what this life is all about. Joyce Meyer wrote a book about this many years ago called The Battlefield of the Mind. Phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, I highly suggest taking a look at it. But if you are a Christ follower, then I think all of us fully are aware of this tension that we all live in between your flesh earthly desires and your spirit nature. It's that old, you know, cartoon that all of us have the the angel on one shoulder and the, the demon on the other shoulder. And one's telling you to do one thing and the other's telling you to do the complete other thing. The Apostle Paul sums this up in Romans 7.15. I think it's on the screen. My translation's a little different, but you'll get the idea. It says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. 
Instead, I do what I hate. Has anybody else ever lived in that tension before? I know what I should be doing, but I just can't help it. I know I shouldn't be doing that or saying that, but I just do it anyway. That battle, by the way, between flesh and spirit has been going on for a long time, for thousands and thousands of years. But that battle is almost always fought in the mind. For example, a husband doesn't just wake up one day and think to himself, I think I'm going to cheat on my wife today. It's a gradual process of sliding away thought by thought that allows him to begin that type of relationship. If you're someone that wants to win the physical battle that you face, the first thing we got to do is learn to control the spiritual ones. If you have, how many of you have a computer in your house? You got a computer? Okay. If you have a computer, especially living in 2018, I hope that you have some sort of firewall, some sort of antivirus, some sort of something that will protect you from people that want to access your information against your will. And firewalls, what they do is they are designed to protect your computer from outside viruses designed to get in there and mess stuff up. You know, there, there are people in the world right now thinking about, how can I design a program that will let me infiltrate someone's computer so that I can gain access to their personal information? They're thinking about that right now. And so to combat that, we have people sitting around creating things like firewalls, antivirus programs to put on our computers to protect us. Or we just have Apple and we don't have to worry about viruses. little plug. So our enemy is the same way, right? He knows our weaknesses. He knows our vulnerabilities. And we all have them. And to combat that, we need a firewall. We need to know exactly what it is that we are fighting against for us to know how to accurately detect a thought that we have which has been planted by the enemy in our head. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So as Christ followers, we have much stronger weapons than people use today to fight in wars. We have much stronger weapons than grenades and guns and knives. We have faith and prayer and God's word on our side. And God wants us to use his weapons to win the battle taking place in our heads. Now, the cool thing is that God's word can release inside of every one of us from the prison that has, of lies that has been planted. God's word can release us from that prison of lies that has been planted inside our heads by the enemy. Now, the unfortunate thing is that there are many believers today that still walk around with toxic lies. We hold the key in our minds, but lose sight of it. I can't tell you how many people today are in a prison and the door is wide open. You're sitting in a prison cell against the wall, upset that you're in prison, and the prison door is wide open. All you got to do is walk out, and you're complaining about why you're in a prison. Get up and walk out of the prison. I know it seems like such a basic elementary thing, but that's the truth for all of us, is that the prison that we live in, we put ourselves in that prison so often. We hold the key. But a lot of times, it's kind of, you know how all of us, every person on planet Earth, all of us, are, we're all different in America. We all have one thing in common. We all have a junk drawer in our house. Every single one of us. You got a drawer that there's no organization to it. It's just the drawer you put stuff in. And there's, you, you pull stuff out and you're like, this key, what in the world does this even go to? How many of you have keys in your drunk drawer? You got no clue what that thing opens. 
You do, but you, but you won't throw it away. You won't throw that key away because you're like, what if I need this key? Uh, it's to a car that you drove in 1976 that has been sold for parts by now, but you will not get rid of that key, so we just throw that baby in the junk drawer. This is why Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 to take every thought captive, which means that any thought that comes into our head that hasn't been placed there by God, we need to get rid of. Stop keeping it. You don't own that car anymore. Throw the key away. Like there's no reason to keep holding on to that thing. And so instead of allowing us to continue to have thoughts that linger and damage us, what what do we do? We take that thought captive and destroy it so that we can win the battle that takes place in our head. Now, you might be thinking, okay, that that sounds all great. Like that's good in concepts, good in theory. How do I do that? Well, again, first you have to know what's attacking you so that you can identify it. And I've learned from my life, there's probably more, but I've learned from my life that there are four specific kinds of negative thoughts that we have that can poison our minds. First one, pessimism. Now, I don't want to make you raise your hands because this isn't a fun thing to admit, but how many of us, you know, kind of rhetorically would say, I'm I'm a pessimistic person. You know, I just am. So let's talk about us personally for a second. This is going to get a little uncomfortable and, and I'm probably going to say things that you're not going to like, especially in just a few minutes. Stick with me. But I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you constantly battle with chronically negative thoughts about yourself or life in general? Maybe you think thoughts like this commonly. I, just, uh, I don't have what it takes. No matter how hard I try, I'll never get ahead. My life will always stink, and I'm always going to be in second place. Maybe you're just overloaded. Like I, every, you know, two two things we all have in common. We all have a junk drawer. We're all busy. My goodness, we're all busy. We all got stuff to do. We're all overwhelmed. We all just got so much on our plate that keeps spinning and we can't stop it. It seems like the harder you work, there's always more, and you seem to slave away, and there's always more, no relief in sight. And while it's true, all of us may have a lot on our plate right now. Negative thoughts can take those plates that are full. And turn them into stuff like this. I just, I just can't do it all. This is just, this is just way too much. No one appreciates me anyway. It's, it's interesting that in church, you know, we do. Bible says we do everything as unto the Lord. And here's the thing: I think all of us like recognition, but there's no. I, I, I've been in lots of places, and it seems to me that people starve for um, uh, positive things said about them more in church than anywhere else. We're not doing it for the opinion of others, but yes, we are. Man, I. I just don't think I'm very appreciated. I keep volunteering for this ministry and no one says thank you. I keep showing up for this thing and no one appreciates it. Can I ask you a question? Why are you doing it? Are you doing it because God asked you to do it? Were you doing it for somebody else to come up and say, and all I do is give, 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 and everyone just drains me, and I, I just don't know how much more of this I can take. And maybe for you, some of these negative thoughts have made the jump to even less important areas of your life. Ladies, I don't want to pick on you, but how often have you stood in your walk-in closet and thought to yourself, I've got nothing to wear? Yeah, you do. You've got nothing to wear that you want to wear, but you have clothes to wear. Dudes, we go to the refrigerator, we look at it, and there's full of food. I got, there's nothing to eat in here. 
There is nothing to eat in this house. There is plenty to eat in this house. There is nothing that you want in this house. And our country is hopeless and everyone's crazy. This place that I work at, they're all nuts and I'm the only normal one. Man, if it wasn't for me, this place would just fall apart. If it wasn't for me, this church wouldn't even run. Sometimes we think that. You know, when we allow ourselves to be negative in one area, it becomes increasingly likely that we, we will be negative in other areas if we don't get that under control. And you know what happens when you do that? It makes you and everybody around you miserable. Now, can I ask you a question? Do you honestly enjoy hanging around with negative people? Is that something you like? Is that something where you're like, man, I just, I can't wait to hang out with that person when they complain the whole time. That just fills me with so much life when I get to hang around and listen to them whine about how terrible their life is. I love hanging around sky is falling people. No, the truth is those are the people we generally don't like being around very much. And you know why? Because they drain you. That's why. Don't lie. There's, play, there's t- some of you, there's so negative people in your life. You find out that they're going to be someplace and you faked being sick because you don't want to be around that person. That person in your office that just always seems to drag you down. It's like you work with Eeyore. Listen, I, I'm just going to tell you this. If you are someone that is always negative, I need you to know this. People know that about you. Hey, if you are someone that is always negative, always down, always complaining, you know, you're like Debbie Downer from Saturday Night Live. You're just, people know that about you. It's not an admirable quality. Fix it. Walk out of the prison. You're keeping yourself there. Your circumstances are not what's making you negative. You are what's making you negative. I'm not saying you got to skip everywhere you go. Okay, I'm not saying you can't call a spade a spade, but don't let your life be run by negative thinking. Now, here's where some of you, because listen, I told you some of you are going to get mad, and you're going to get mad about what I'm going to say just in a minute, so just be ready. Turn off the news every once in a while. Okay? All it does is depress you. Get off of Facebook. Listen, if you watch Fox News every night, you're not doing it to be informed. You're doing it to pour gasoline on a fire that's already full of rage and negativity. There's some people, though, they just watch it, and the more you watch it, like, I, you know, God bless my dad, and I talked to him about this, you know, when he was visiting a couple days ago. We're sitting there on a couch, and he's watching this video, that, on this, this Fox News video, and I could just see him just getting angrier and angrier. And I'm like, Dad, you know that right now, you watching that video is keeping you from playing with your grandkids. Because the truth is, like, the more we, we feed ourselves with that stuff, the more we just pouring gasoline on fire. And we say things like, oh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be informed. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're pouring gasoline on a fire of rage and negativity. You have to ask yourself, is this good for me and will it change anything? So watch how much you hang around people that are always negative. One of my favorite quotes, I try to work it in every time I speak because it applies to so many areas of your life. Whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. It's that simple. It's the truth and premise of life. Whatever you feed is going to grow. Whatever you starve is going to die. The problem with us is we feed the wrong stuff and we starve the wrong stuff. We feed our minds with things that we shouldn't feed it with. And we starve it from things that we should be feeding it with. 
It's crazy how much time we say we don't have to read God's Word, and we can tell you ten shows we've binge-watched on Netflix. Number two, anxiety. It's, it's so easy today to be anxious about pretty much anything. My goodness, we've got serial bombers in Austin and natural disasters and terrorism and school shootings and an economy that's hanging on by a thread, the worst flu season that we've had in years. Maybe you've heard that popular verse in the Bible that says God has not given us a spirit of fear. We know that to be true. Yet we can't help thinking about all the things that we're afraid of. What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen with the election in 2020? What's going to happen if they try to take my gun away? What's going to happen if I lose my 401k? What's going to happen when taxes go up? What's going to happen if my company downsizes and I get laid off? We're overwhelmed maybe by relational type fears. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe your marriage isn't what it used to be. And are we ever going to get things worked out? Does he really still love me? Is she ever going to be as interested in sex as I am? Maybe you're single. Am I ever going to get married? My goodness, my clock is ticking every single day. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. I'm going, to be, I'm going to write a book about how to be single and be happy. That's what I'm going to do. I better start writing it right now. I, I'm, I'm generally a positive person except for one area of my life when I watch sports. I am the most negative. Don't ever come watch the Cubs with me. I am a, I am a horrible person to be around when I watch. I remember when they won the World Series. Like I turned the game off like halfway through. I was like, they're going to lose. I just know they're going to lose. We do that. We watch UK basketball. They're, they're going to lose. They're going to blow it. I just know this is what they do every time. They just do it every time. And you watch it and you just allow yourself to go, there he goes, fouling again. He can't hit free throw shots. I just knew it. If it was up to me, I'd put this guy in. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Number three, bitterness. Bitterness tends to come for us when we are dissatisfied with what we currently have. Now, I'm gonna, I want to share a quote with you. And listen, I, I'm not minimizing by any means uh, depression. I know that there's some of us that struggle with clinical depression. That is, it's a big deal. I'm not saying that it's one of these things. I know that there, I know lots of people in my life that are that are depressed that have told me, "Hey, listen, if it could be as simple as a choice, I would choose not to." But I will tell you this. I heard a quote once that has really mesmerized me a lot, and it said that the seeds of depression can never take root in a grateful heart. That when you force yourself to focus on all the things that you have that you're grateful for, immediately you begin to think less about the things that you don't have. You ever realize that happy people are rarely bitter? I remember going on a missions trip over 20 years ago to Nepal. We got out of this cut, we got out of this bus and we went to this refugee camp where literally everyone in the camp was stark naked. Everyone. It was awkward for an 18-year-old. And we get out of this bus and they're playing soccer with a milk carton for a soccer ball. And I have never in my life seen kids laugh harder than those kids were laughing. 
And I contrast that with me and how frustrated I get when my wireless internet doesn't work on my MacBook Air laptop that I use while sitting in a heated house, eating dinner made by my amazing wife who loves me, surrounded by my two beautiful daughters. You know, most people alive today are more blessed than any people that have ever lived in the world. And yet, it's still so easy to be overwhelmed with discontent. Maybe you battle with discontent regarding your body. I don't like my body. I wish I looked different. I wish I looked like those girls look on the magazines or like those guys look at the gym without their shirts on. I wish we had children or more children or different children. (laughs) Some days that's true. Come on. I wish they were smarter, better athletes. I wish we had a better car, more money, nicer clothes, better vacations, a a bigger kitchen with granite countertops and a third car garage for the boat I wish I had but can't afford because of this stupid job that I hate that no one appreciates me at anyway. You know, when we become bitter, we stop focusing on all the things we have or the things that we like about ourselves, and we instead choose to focus on things we don't like about ourselves. And that... Bitterness leads to, you know, leads to kind of one last thing in the progression of negativity. And I think this one's probably the most harmful. Criticism. You know, maybe without even realizing it, you're consumed with criticizing anything else that crosses your path. I wrote this on my Facebook this morning. I said, you know, I said, you know, as people, you know what we need to do? We need to refuse to allow ourselves that every single thing that for us the best part of our day is criticizing the life that somebody else is living. You ever think about that? So we do, we sit around and we armchair quarterback everybody else. You know, maybe without even realizing it, you're consumed with that. And because you aren't happy with the way things are going for you, You've allowed yourself to develop a critical spirit towards others. You can find fault with people today, buildings, companies, churches, today's lunch menu, anything you encounter. You know, at work you find your, your thoughts constantly gravitating towards criticism. This place is a, is a zoo. I work with idiots. I'm the only normal one. This place would fall apart without me. Maybe you walk into a church that you've walked into in the past, and you're like, it's too dark in here. Why don't they turn some lights on? Why is the music so loud? It's too rock and roll, too traditional, too old-fashioned, too progressive. This guest speaker is so boring. And when is he going to be done talking? Because the restaurant that I normally go to is going to be packed in about 15 minutes, and he better be done. Someone parked in my parking space. Someone sat in my seat. Now... Is it wrong to have an opinion? Certainly not. It's not wrong to have an opinion. It's not wrong to have preferences. We're all different. God made us that way. But I want you to take a look inside just for a moment. Do you find yourself battling with negative thoughts about your life, other people? Are you consumed with fearful, worrisome thoughts, putting your faith in bad things rather than good? Are you often critical, finding something wrong with a lot of people, places, or things? If you answered yes to any of those rhetorical questions, chances are your life is being infected by toxic thoughts that, and you are losing the battle that is taking place in your mind. And it's time to start winning that fight. 
And the first step is winning to winning anything is identifying the problem, right? And once you've identified it, then it's time to start taking action to begin fixing it. How do we do that? Philippians 4, 7. I love this. And the peace of God. How many of you would say, I can sure use a dose of the peace of God in my life right now. You know what the great thing about the peace of God is? Doesn't, doesn't matter what's going on out there. It'd be craziness going on out there, and yet I can still have the peace of God in here. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As you pursue Jesus and you meditate on his words, he will protect your mind. And you'll be filled with what you feast your mind on. Philippians 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. When you force yourself to think about those things, guess what fills your mind? Peace. You know why many of us are so upset all the time? Because we're not thinking about things that fill our minds with peace. We're thinking about things that fill our minds with discontent. Now, here's the thing. You may not see a change in this area overnight, but if you consistently direct your thoughts toward God, I promise you that over time your life will be more joyful and filled with peace than you can ever imagine. And here's the truth. Once you acquire a taste for wholesome thoughts, your mental palate becomes so much more sensitive to the taste of poison. You know the truth is that you're, you as your body, you, you consistently crave whatever you give it. If you give yourself something, you'll crave it more. You know one thing I've never craved in my life? Heroin. Never craved heroin. You know why? Because I've never done heroin. You can't crave something you don't give your body. I mean, like five years ago, I was like an avid, avid soda drinker. I would drink five to six cans of Dr. Pepper every single day. Every day. I don't drink it anymore. I drink water. That's all I drink. But I remember, like, after I had not drank soda in, like, five or six months, it, it's kind of instinctive. Like, I went to one of those, like, restaurants that you can, like, get your own drink, and I put, you know, Dr. Pepper, and I took a drink and literally spit it out all over the machine. Because it was so sweet. Like, I, I was not used to how sweet it was. When you have, when your body begins to taste things that are healthy, it starts to immediately reject things that are not. You know, you're always going to find what you're looking for. You know, there's lots of things that I don't like about life, and one of them is birds. I can't stand birds. I don't know why that is. I just don't, they probably weren't expecting me to say that. I really don't like birds. They, they, drive, me, they drive me crazy. They scare me a little bit. I don't, I, don't like, I don't like birds. They freak me out. They're gross. They eat stuff I, I don't eat. I just, I don't like it. And, but there's something, thinking about this, about birds, right? There's, there's one good thing about birds. They can teach us a lesson. There's a big difference between a vulture and a hummingbird, okay? Vultures soar high in the sky. And they're looking and searching. And what are they looking for? Dead things. It won't stop until it finds lifeless roadkill on the side of the road. Yet a hummingbird with wings flapping 20 times per second isn't looking for dead things, looking for sweet, life-giving things. And you know what the truth is about both birds? Every single day, both birds find what they're looking for. The same is true with you. You can be on a roadkill diet. Or you can be on a sweet nectar diet. You will find whatever it is that you are looking for. If you want to be negative, listen, it is not hard to find things to be negative about in the world that we live in. If you want to be critical, it doesn't take a rocket science genius that's got some sort of amazing spiritual connection to find things to be critical about. 
But if you want to see good in life, you know what? You can find that everywhere too. The Bible says that the heavens reveal the glory of God. And if you are always on the look for how and when God is moving, you will find it. And so decide today what the destination of your mind is going to be. And anytime you catch yourself going towards bitter, critical, self-loathing thoughts, take them captive and do not let them ruin your life. Okay, maybe you're thinking, okay, how do I, how do I change this? Well, first, step one, realize how much you're loved by God and how truly special he has made you. So much of our negative thoughts about the world start with negative thoughts we have about ourselves. You know, I read this the other day. National survey taken among women. And of that, the question was answered, asked to these women that took this survey, do you consider yourselves beautiful? You know how many people answered yes? 2%. Do you consider yourself beautiful? 2% said yes. Yet Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. And He has created anew in us Jesus Christ so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. You are the masterpiece of God. He gave you a brain It's a powerful resource, more powerful than any computer. It's no secret why the enemy chooses to attack there. And the more negative we are, the more we get sucked into our own little world of pessimism. And it boxes us into this little thing where we can't focus on anything else but on us and how bad our lives are. And when that does, it keeps you from impacting the people that your life should be impacting. I want to close with a clip. It's a little movie clip. It's actually a TV commercial. I saw this TV commercial, and I thought to myself, the guy in this commercial, it's me. And, and I'll explain how I feel like the supplies after you watch it. But the commercial, it's a Hershey's chocolate commercial. And it's about a little girl that just wants to spend some time with her dad. But he's too busy probably being negative because stuff isn't going the way he wants. So watch what she does. Mm. No, definitely. Hi, Dad. For sure. So, uh, yeah, if you look at the assets. Uh-huh. Okay. What are we up? We're up. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, sure, let's, let's do that then. Uh, sorry about that. Where...
I gave the cardboard cutout version of me to my family for way too long. And it's so easy to give that part of you to the people that matter most when you're so consumed with how bad things are. And I made a decision that I was going to not live my life like that anymore because, see, the thing is I've got... So much to be grateful for. I've got a beautiful wife at my house. And two girls that would do anything just to spend a few minutes with me on the floor playing Barbies with them. Cardboard cutouts can't do that. But I can. And so my hope for all of us today is that we would get out of our negative thinking. We would get out of the bitter thinking and that we would say, hey, I'm going to stop being sucked into my own little negative world and I'm going to show up to the people that matter most to me. I'm going to show up in my relationship with God. I'm going to show up in my family. I'm going to stop being held captive by toxic thoughts. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.